0: Again, I welcome everybody to the Carolina Bible Group Bible Study Voice Room this morning. It's uh, a pleasure and a privilege, and I always count it as a privilege to be able to sit here and have such a group of willing, uh, open-minded students to, uh, and we're all students of the Word. Not, just because I sit here and try to bring up a, a few points of interest doesn't mean I'm not a student. I'm as big a student as anybody. And uh but I do appreciate the and, and understand the responsibility that goes with the the privilege of being able to do this and the um the responsibility as well that goes with it. We're gonna continue on today in our series called Prayer Through the Dispensations. Today's study will be study number forty nine. We're almost at fifty. And the date for today is April the eighteenth, twenty twenty one. Our Theme or our purpose, so to say, in this entire series as we've been moving through it is to look at prayer, the subject of prayer, uh, the existence of prayer, and the usage of prayer in the scriptures uh, down through the different dispensations relative to mankind and our communion with our Creator. The whole purpose of this study is to take a look at the subject of prayer in the scriptures, not only in the dispensation in which we live, but in previous dispensations that have already come and existed and are, are gone. They're done until other dispensations at least be fulfilled. Uh, last week, we finished up looking at prayer in the epistle to the Philippians by reviewing the... Uh, the usage of the word prayer in chapter four, and I really enjoyed that one, and, and I got a lot personally out of that one, uh, from what I saw that was revealed in scripture. Today, uh, we call it with dad. I don't know if you've been able to join us for our Wednesday studies, but dad's in the book of Colossians as we go through, um, Jack's workman's interlinear. Uh, and basically, uh, in dad's wisdom study, we're taking that book by book as we go through, uh, the workman's interlinear and I've thoroughly enjoyed that. But today, uh, dad and I are on the same page, literally, uh, kind of caught up with him and his, uh, Colossians study. If you haven't been joining us for that one, you're missing it, uh, because not only are dad's notes very helpful and edifying, but Jack's are as well. And, uh, I think that Dad's doing a wonderful job giving Jack and Melda the uh, the credence for the book that they did. And there's no better um, honor of a teacher or somebody that's written something than to go back and look and take a good hard look at what they've written. There's no better way to honor them than than doing that. so you know that's I mean? that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, so for today's study, I want to keep moving forward uh, in our series here by reviewing the usages of prayer in the book of Colossians. And what we're going to do, turn with me, if you would, to the first chapter of the of the book of Colossians. But before we get too far into that, I do want to read as we normally do anymore, uh the introductory notes in the Companion Bible. And uh I had a question this weekend about the the Companion Bible and and these introductory notes and all the the stuff that's in the C B and uh, it's available only in the King James version. It was, it is a singular work that was started by E. W. Bullinger and completed uh, by Charles Welch. And uh, a lot of these notes and and uh, notations in the Scripture uh, relative to the King James are Bullinger's, and a lot of them are Welch's. And I have no idea where one begins and the other one starts. But, uh, let's read the, the introductory notes to the, to the book of Colossians, which again is another of the present dispensation books that the apostle Paul wrote. And I've even been, I've even had some correspondence lately with a fellow um, that just vehemently holds to the fact that Paul didn't write either Ephesians or Colossians, uh, that some of the Laodiceans did or, I, I'm really, I really even have a struggle with following his logic path. Uh, but, uh, it, it requires a lot more faith for me to go off on some tangent and believe that Paul didn't write it than it does just to believe the scripture and believe that Paul did write it. Uh, so I'm going to stick to that position, <laughs> uh, probably for the rest of my life because I just, I can't see, uh, turning away from that one. Um, nor can I understand how anybody that, that believes that the, the scriptures, the scripture, uh, could ignore a lot of what's written in those books that, that clearly gives Paul the, uh, the divine apost- apostolic authorship. I'll, I'll say that. So let's read the introductory notes to the book of Colossians. It's on page 1780 in the companion Bible. If you have one, if you don't get in touch with me, I can fix that. Um, We've got about 150 or 200 of them at the TFT building. Anyway, it says, Doctrine has more place than practice in the epistle to the Colossians. There is a marked resemblance between it and the letter to the Ephesians, a prominent element of both as well as of Philippians, uh, being the apostles' insistence upon the reality of our union with Christ as having died and risen again in him, and the necessity for holding fast the head, uh, as it says in Colossians 2.19. These are excellent notes, by the way. Uh, As far as subject, it says, Colossians, like Galatians, proclaims our freedom from the elements or rudiments of the world. What those elements are is sufficiently explained by the terms ceremonialism, uh, the rites and ceremonies of religion as distinct from Christianity. Hence Paul's earnest admonition against a return to such, Jewish or other, inasmuch as this is to deny our completeness and perfection in Christ. And that's the excellent note. You are complete in Him. If you understand the truth of the mystery, you are complete in Christ and you have no need of anything else. And that's, that's what this book does an excellent job of making very plain. It says practically it is to say that He is not sufficient, that something more is needed to be added to Him. Some ordinance is wanted to make us quite complete. And we know that's not the case. We are complete in Christ. But it says, as the Apostle unfolds to us, we died with Christ. And consequently, ordinances are of no use to dead persons. In this epistle, all practical holiness is shown to spring from the holding of true doctrine. uh, Or as to say, our life is the outcome of our belief. Then, our standing being complete and perfect in Christ... We cannot grow in this standing, but we may grow in the knowledge, experience, and enjoyment of it. So you can't grow any more in your standing with Christ than you already are. But the blessings, and the glory, and the enjoyment, and the joy, and the contentment, and the peace of what we know is what we stand again. That's a very good point. Number three it says the statement in two one indicates that at the time of writing the epistle, Paul had not yet visited Colossae, although commentators are divided on this point. Some believe that the apostle could not have missed out the city, or you know, missed out the city in one or other of his missionary journeys, although no mention is made in Acts. Others referring to one seven hold that Epaphras had been Paul's deputy to bear the good news to his fellow citizens, for he was a Colossian, chapter uh, 4, as 412 notes. Uh, I tend to hold that if Paul would have ever visited Colossae in, during the Acts period, that it would have been written in there. Because Luke was a very faithful, item-by-item uh, item recorder of the events in the book of Acts, I believe. And I don't I don't believe such a visit would have been left out. Uh, personally the date uh, item 4 it says the epistle was written towards the end of the apostles first imprisonment in Rome about AD 62 and it says see appendix 180 in the back of the companion bible to cover that it said the Phrygian city of Colossae was only a few miles from Laodicea the importance of which gradually increased as the other city declined both, uh, so entirely disappeared that only in recent times were the sites discovered and various ruins traced by modern explorers. So the ancient cities, both of Laodicea and Colossae, are both completely gone, according to the, the notes here in the, in the companion Bible. And, and basically they've only found traces of either, uh, in the places where they were thought to exist. So, um, very interesting notes and very worthwhile, uh, notes, I think, to read there as we jump into the book of Colossians. And we may not even get all the way through uh, chapter one today, because there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot in, in Colossians chapter one. And we're going to pause not only for a lot of the, the prayer related. There's only two prayer related verses. Uh, that's verse three and verse nine, I believe. So we're, we're going to pause there, of course, but there's a lot of other pauses. Uh, that we'll take, and a lot of verses that I'll break down and sort of disassemble as we go through to make sure that you're grasping what the Apostle Paul is saying, not only to Colossians, but what he's saying to usward today through this same book. This book is sort of a sister book to the book of Ephesians. And you'll see a lot of similarities to what Paul is revealing in Ephesians and what he's revealing in Colossians. Uh, as far as the truth of the mystery goes. So, let's start. Colossians chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And see, this is the problem that I have with the fellow that I've been corresponding with uh, that doesn't believe Paul wrote Ephesians or Colossians. Is that Paul's introductory is in, is in the very beginning of the... And he talks all about himself and what's been revealed as he goes through it. So to take away the Pauline authorship to me puts a big cast of doubt on everything in it and how he, how he, re, how he, um, gets a resolution for that in his mind. I don't know. And there are a lot of folks that believe a lot of things that, that I just can't understand because I can't make my mind go to wherever it is they're going. Uh, and even though I try, I'm, there's too many things that, that I see that that it just doesn't make sense. Um, uh, And so, I believe in the Pauline authorship. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, by the will of God. You don't become an apostle unless it's by the will of God. That's that's how that happens. And Paul makes that very clear in the very beginning. And Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. He says, grace be unto you and peace. From God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful introductory note! Uh, and I, can you imagine Colossians without Paul? What would it say? If you take Paul out of Colossians, what do you got left? I mean, that's that's what I'm asking. How do you how do you have any faith in the in the train or the track back to where it all began? And and Paul's Mission, Paul's journey, his mission, coming through the book of Acts, and then when he gets down to the end of the book of Acts, to reveal that it's no longer the Jew or Gentile, but we're all one new man in Christ. And, he, and God sets Israel aside, and I know, I know the revealing of the one new man in Christ comes a little later, but you get my point. To take Paul out of this is, it just destroys it. There, it to me, it has no credibility without Paul. Uh, and, and I'll just say that up front. He goes on to verse three and here's our first verse, uh, verse three. He says, we give thanks to God. And it, you need to omit the and it shouldn't be there. It should read, we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always. For you, So he just said, in the previous verses he just said, Hello Colossians, grace be unto you from Timothy and I, and all the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are there. And then he said, we give thanks to God for you. And that's what I do for you folks. I give thanks to God for all you folks every time. That I pray, whether I pray silently or whether I pray aloud. I thank God for all those that know and understand. Paul says we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always and praying here. Our first occurrence is the Greek word prosukuma. And it's the verb. Praying is, is an action. It's prayer to God. This is prayer straight to God. So when Paul prays, he said, telling the Colossians, "When I pray, folks, I give thanks for you." Paul says, so like he did with the Philippians. I think you'll see this as a kind of a general theme of Paul's. Um, even in other dispensations, he he prayed for the brethren, or for whatever his mission, whatever his mission was at the time, whatever dispensation he was in. Paul was constantly in prayerful communication with God the Father. He said, praying always for you. Now this word for here is the Greek preposition peri, P-E-R-I. And and here in the genitive case, it means uh, concerning or as regard to or regarding. So he's basically saying we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Praying always regarding you or concerning you. And it's always back to the point of what's being done is what that genitive case in the Greek points to. It's the the actual act of what's being done is the focus. It's touching a point. Yeah. To go to touch a point. It's praying specifically regarding or concerning you, Colossians. Yeah. I thought that was worth Bring it out in this actual portion of the message here, because it kind of sets the tone for everything else that he's going to say, uh, in chapter one here, praying always for you, he said. And always, as I remember in that verse, um, uh, let me go back and look here in verse three, always was Pantote or Panto, Pantoe. And it means every win i e at all times all the time it's not just I mean always kind of does it but when you go and look at the definition of it you're like wow okay that's a, that's a little heavier than just an always it's almost like a constantly praying constantly for you he said since we heard of your faith and he heard it from his faithful brother, Epaphras, who was a Colossian. And dad has made this perfectly clear in the, in the study on Wednesday nights and how the, the relationship between Paul and Epaphras was going here. Paul was sending letters and I believe getting the report back from this faithful one who had in a lot of cases put his, put his life in jeopardy. He says, since we heard of your faith, verse four, In Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints. And it says in verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you. Or it should really say, the, the word for there should be because of. So the report back is because of the love that the Colossians have for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you. As much as I love you folks, I will admit that it's that hope that we share that brings the knit together to the group like it is. I see that same, uh, love for the saints in our meetings when we get together with all the saints that, that know and understand this truth during our conferences and all the times that we get to meet just one on one or with anybody. It's, it's always like a, a glorious meeting to me. And there's nothing I enjoy more than getting together with like-minded saints to sit and talk about the word. I mean, I, I truly enjoy that. I had conversation with a, a fellow yesterday that just, he was friends with Joe Watkins and he'll call and say, well, Joe, Joe used to be my buddy that I would bounce stuff off of. He said, now you're the, you're the guy. And that I told him how uh, honored I was that I would be able, in his mind, to take Joe's place. And it meant a lot to him, and it obviously meant a lot to me. But it says, for the hope which is laid up, or stored away, is what that laid up means. Stored away, in reserve, tucked away somewhere. Well, where is this? Where is our hope tucked away? Well, he's going to tell us. For the hope which is laid up or stored away for you in heaven. Now, when we get to the truth of the assembly of the body of Christ and the hope that goes with it, you are then entering into the first hope where God has ever promised human beings that they would be on the other side of the isolation tent that we live in on the, on, in the upon heavens and the upon heavens, I believe that as mentioned where God is, they rest on the current heavens or they're just outside the isolation tent that we live in and all of our galaxies and all reside within. And you can agree with that or disagree with that, but What I see in Colossians, our heavenly hope, when God promised heaven to those in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and when he mentioned of in my Father's house of many abiding places, he's literally talking about the kingdom of heaven and the city that I believe is referred to there that will come down from God out of heaven. Those who reside in the city that was offered during the book of Acts and during the the gospel days when Christ was on the earth, that city that was offered was the abiding places. And that is part of heaven. But that city, if you read in Revelation, is going to come down from God out of heaven and it's not going to stay there. That's the important part. I believe it will come through the barrier. Unless the barrier is open at that time, which it very well could be. At the end of all we know, there's a, I believe there's a, a wall of ice that contains sin called the, that's the top of the, the firmament. It's the waters above that were pushed back. And at, there's coming a day when heaven will be opened. It's closed now. But when heaven's opened and there's no barrier between us and the upon heavens, that city can then proceed from God and come right back to the earth. And that's where the saints of the book of Acts will dwell. That is not in the throne room of God as part of the body of His Son. Make, make the difference and understand the difference. They are not the same thing. They are not the same hope. Here Paul is talking about a totally different hope. He said... For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before, in the word of the truth of the gospel. That is not the old gospel. That is the new gospel. There's a new good news. The good news concerning the body of Christ. The good news concerning the hope that is laid up in the heavenlies. There in verse 5. Which is come unto you. Certainly it is, because Paul's Paul's revealing it to him through Epaphras. He said in verse 6, Which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Or actually how graceful God can be. Because never before in Scripture has a hope like this been revealed to anybody. Except the Apostle Paul. As he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. Ah, so that's where they got the message. He says, "For you, who for you, verse 7, is a faithful minister of Christ. So now you get the whole picture. Paul has described to them a new hope. And sent that new hope and that new gospel through Epaphras to reveal to the saints at Colossae. Yeah,
1: and I think Timothy was a big part of that too because oh, he's with I, I, Paul, you I, know. I, you he is, know, yeah. I think Epaphras and Timothy were were more of the same age,
0: kind of helpful probably. in this regard. And, yeah, and
1: and and I think they were buddies. And Epaphras would come, and he would be in the band uh, or whatever you call it, like like a superstar has his group and and that and that Paul basically as we see it today was that kind of a person and so Epaphras would come and he could hear from Timothy and he could hear from Paul and he would take it back to these people
0: yep.
1: even before this book was written. Well as
0: Paul says he is there right
1: written.
0: he is uh, our dear fellow servant Paul says. Yeah. Who who is for you Colossians A faithful minister of Christ. Well. That puts him in that, you're right. It puts him in that
1: very position. You know, he's been with Paul in some of these, when he's in change.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And and Timothy has been with him. And so, you know, this is another door that's just opened up.
0: So now we see the difference in the messages. Yeah. The message that these Colossians... And Paul's about to pray that they'll understand. The message they're getting, guys, is not the kingdom message. And I think the the argument against that is very strong. Because there may be some, well, this is no different from anything else that was being preached anywhere else. Well, is it? Let's read on. He says in 7, As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So he was taking the message of Paul to the Colossians and bringing the message of love from the Colossians back to Paul. He was the go-between, the the messenger boy. And you see,
1: Paul had had already been there a little while. And so this letter was, I think it's set pretty directly in place where it needs to be in Scripture. I think it
0: is too. He said, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit, verse 8. For this cause we also. For that what cause? Well, the same cause he's been talking about, the new hope. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. We heard it, Paul said. It was revealed to Paul. This new cause he's talking about. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. Do not cease to pray for you, number one. Here's our other verse. And pray here, incidentally, is the word prosukama. It also is the verb. And again, this is prayer straight to the Father. A direct prayer from one person to their Creator. So he says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and, listen to this, Now, do you think if he's praying for him and he's desiring what he's about to mention, do you not think he's praying that the desire will come true? Well, that to me, that makes perfect sense. We do not cease to pray for you, verse 9, and to desire, to want, that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, that you Colossians would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why do they have to have all that? Well, it's right back to dad's wisdom study. To properly discern what God wants for you in any dispensation, you have to have that wisdom and spiritual understanding.
1: It's the mind and the heart in tune with the Holy Spirit that you have in you. To know and to understand the rest of the, the will of God to know what his son did. Everybody in the world knew or should have known that he paid the price for your sins. Yep. That's just part of his finished work. The rest of the finished work. This is the body of Christ,
0: and it's very dispensational,
1: and it's and 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 this is what tells you that this yep. is where that comes from, right
0: there. Yeah, and and it's through the Holy Spirit, it's through the work and the the gift of the Holy Spirit that you literally understand His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding well, as you read His Word. It's going to come from His Word. That's
1: your GPS. Your GPS. My GPS should not be in their telephone or in their car somewhere.
0: Right, exactly. Our
1: GPS is God's perfect son and the Holy Spirit, and it it comes from the Lord, and so the Lord uh, can lead you from within you to do what He wants.
0: Amen. To be done. That's exactly right.
1: So here and, we are, and 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 that this is why we're here.
0: And there's a walk that goes with this. Yeah. Verse 10 says that, that ye might walk worthy. See, you don't just get this and then run off and do whatever you want to do. It it doesn't work that way. It never has. Not in God's economy, whether it's this dispensation or even previous dispensations. Even Israel had to be under the law. And they had to do things according to God's law whenever they were the, the people who God was dealing with at the time. That ye might walk worthy. Wow. Worthy of what I've been given? Yes. That's that's tough. What dwell to you? Yeah. Worthy of what you've been given. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord and dwell pleasing. Pleasing who? Pleasing the Lord. Not pleasing Ronnie. Not pleasing your fellow man. Not pleasing your wife. But pleasing the Lord. That you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? How do you increase in the knowledge of God? Through His Word. How do you increase in the knowledge of what your parents want you to know? Listen to what they say. Or the teacher. You've got to listen to what they say. For the professor, how do you know what he wants? Listen to what he says. Do you get it? The only way you will get God's knowledge is to stay in his word and see what he says. But with that, you have to temper it with the understanding that the book you have is a collective of all the dispensations that have come and gone. You gotta know what is for you in the scripture and you gotta know what is to you in the scripture because there's a big difference. Big difference. He says in 11, strengthened with all might according to his Christ glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Boy, that's, that's a tough one. Having patience in this is tough. And you can tell the seasoned folks who have been teaching and trying to uh, put forth the the truth of the mystery for a while because they will simply put it out and let God do the work. They don't push. They don't get impatient. As I did years ago, I I will admit, there were times when I would see that somebody was beginning to, to see some of this truth and I would literally... Step all over myself. and well, get in, I, I would get in my way in and get in the way of the Spirit. Because I wouldn't allow God to have time to do His work. Well,
1: that was the old man dealing with what you have in your exactly.
0: exactly. You have to do it with, to Dad's point. you got to handle that with a new man and not the old man.
1: Been there and done that.
0: Yep. Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Then he says this, and this is amazing. Here is another prayer that doesn't use the word prayer, but listen to what he says. Giving thanks unto the Father. This is, that's a prayer. Yeah. Which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, if this hope is all about the kingdom hope, why didn't he just say that again? You see my point? When the scripture says something different, then it is something different. Let's break that down. Abraham never looked for this inheritance, y'all. Abraham was never promised this inheritance. Paul said Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. That is not what this is. This verse, if you translate it back to the Greek, the Corne Greek, and break it down, loosely translated it should say, which made us fit for the share or the lot of the lot of the saints within the light. That's a different hope in a different place at a different time. That God knows about and we know scant little about. I did a study years and years ago about what we do know about our hope and what we don't know about our hope. There's a lot about what we, uh, about the hope that we hold that we don't know that God has chose not to reveal it, but there's a lot we do know. This is one of the things that we, that we do know that we have been made fit for the share or the lot of the lot of the saints within the light praise god for being in the light that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son as it's called let's let's move on from verse 12 verse 13 who hath well literally the hath isn't there it should read who rescued us delivered or rescued is Kind of the same thing. But rescued is probably a better word there. Who rescued us from the power of darkness. And hath translated us. Into the kingdom of his dear son. If you go back and do that one in the Corne Greek. Translate it uh, better than, than what the King James translators did. It should read who rescued us. From the power of the darkness and has transferred us into the reign of the son of his love. The reign of the son of his love. You never see that term used of the kingdom anywhere. The kingdom of heaven I, I mentioned. It's a different term for a different hope within a different realm. And the realm is being described to a great degree here. The realm of the Son of His love in the light is basically where you're going to be. Well, we we know from Ephesians that that also means to be part of the body of the Son of God. Yeah, which is light. Yeah, and
1: and and the Father the Father's part is the one that's it's going to live on the earth and in the city, and I think the Son's the body of Christ, those that are brought into the body of Christ will be with him and do the bidding there, just like the angel did the bidding for the father on the earth. Yep. So we will do the bidding for God basically. I mean, for Christ in the body.
0: Well, it make, to me, it makes sense what you say because the head controls the body. Yeah. And with him as our head, then what we will do will be the bidding of the son. Or whatever he wants. whatever he wants done. And whatever. that may involve it may involve other aspects of God's dispensational dealings with other dispensations. Yeah. And how their uh hopes are meted out, how their resurrections take place, I don't know. That that's a lot of a lot of gray area there. The and where the yeah. scripture's silent, I can only wonder. So it says in verse 14, in whom, talking of Christ, we have redemption. And the the, through his blood literally should be omitted. Although it's a true statement, it was added by the translators. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. So when you pray, thank God for the redemption and the forgiveness that you have. Don't show your ignorance by begging God for forgiveness. That grieves the spirit, I believe. I heard a lot of people that pray and Lord forgive me for this and forgive me for that. And I sit there and say, man, do you not realize that you're already forgiven? Read the word. Read the word and believe what it says. If you believe what it says, you should thank God for the forgiveness you enjoy. Don't pray for forgiveness. You've got it. It's in Christ. Just enjoy it and be thankful be ye thankful for the grace and the forgiveness of sins that we enjoy and for these
1: next few verses
0: yeah in whom we have redemption even the forgiveness of sins who is the image Christ was the image of the invisible God the firstborn, Of creation.
1: That's a full stop there. Wow. Now look what comes next.
0: The firstborn of all creation literally is what it is. And then it explains the relationship. Right. I believe here between Christ who was the material for creation and what was created. Listen to this very important verse. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to break it down a little bit. And we certainly are not going to get through Colossians one today. I, I knew when we started, I'm like, this is going to be a tall order, but y'all, there's just too much. Y'all, there's too much. I can't bear to skip because it says in 16 talking of Christ for by him were all things created. Remember when God said, let us make man in our image? Who do you think he was talking to? (laughs) He He wasn't talking to Satan, I'll promise you that. He had already been created at that point, but he was not talking to Satan. He was talking to his son. Who always has been, always was, and who always will be. For by Him, Christ, were all things created that are in heaven. Listen to this. Listen to it carefully. In Christ were all things created. Things in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. You mean there are things we can't see? Yes, there are. In heaven and in earth. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers. Interesting that Paul mentions all these in regard to what we battle against in Ephesians 6. Just making a point. Good point. All these things, it says, were created by him, Christ. And for him, Christ. What, you mean the earth isn't for Ronnie? (laughs) Nope. You mean the stars that I look at that are so beautiful? The mountains and all the scenery we enjoy? All that's not for me? Nope. Adam's job was to keep all that. and And he blew it. He blew it big time. All this was created by him. And for him, according to the will of the Father. Because it was the Father who willed to create. And the Son was the vehicle by which the creation happened, according to the action of the Holy Spirit that moved upon the face of the waters even in the beginning. You see how the the three aspects, the three persons of God, Go along with the creation to me. That's beautiful and amazing. And we're gonna, we're gonna go down through 17 and we'll stop for today, but I can't skip 17. It's got to go with 16. So it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And for him, and he is before all things. And by him, listen to this, all things cohere. Do you know what cohering is? It says consist in the English. A better rendering for this great word would be cohere. Have you, do you know why boats float? Because the water has tension, because the gravity is pulled down on it. And water molecules, that's why it makes a droplet. Water coheres together, sticks together so good that it takes a towel to get it off of you. It sticks to you so good that it takes a hand towel to get it off of you. You ever thought about that? You dip your hand in the lake, pull it out, you got a little bit of the lake on your hand. Why? Because of coherence, the attraction of the water molecules to all molecules. And it'll pick up enough to where it and the gravity become equilibrium. And that's how much water will stick to your hand. You don't know if you've ever thought about that so or easy, not. Yeah. It's cohesion. It's uh it's what makes a water drop. Water wants to stick together so badly that as it as you push water out of a vessel And it makes that drop, it takes that much to overcome the, that much gravity to overcome the cohesiveness of the, of the water to where it'll break away and drop. You ever thought about that? So this word cohere means to stick together, to attract. It's by Christ, all things stick together. Have you ever thought about that? Without Christ, there would be no existence of anything. It would all fly apart. They dig down into atoms and try to figure out, well, what is it in an atom that makes the the protons and the neut- neutrons stay together, and what attraction makes the electrons uh, rotate or orbit the protons and the neutrons in the atom? What is it? And they, they have... The technology to dig into these things and to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and and they never get it. I'll tell you what holds everything together. Colossians one seventeen holds everything together. By him is it all held together. When you dig down deep enough, it's God holding us all together. And that's the the pure and the simple of it. We'll stop there for today. I really appreciate your your time and your attentiveness, and for being with us and and just for all the prayers and and everything constantly. I, I love the saints, and I, I do truly appreciate the the opportunity to to sit here with you this morning and do this. Bow with us and we'll close, and then we'll uh, we'll move on over to the other room and, and get rolling with Barney's study for today. Uh, Father, we thank you again for these facts. We thank you for the book of Colossians, Father, and for the, the, <laughs> the awesomeness that we see as we read it and the things that we glean from it, God. We thank you so much that you opened up your knowledge enough to show us these things and have them recorded for so many centuries. God, we thank you for the Apostle Paul who brought these things through your will of apostleship and wrote them down father that we may know and enjoy them today and that we may grow through this in the grace and knowledge of your word father thank you so much for these blessings thank you for these that have come this way father for all the blessings that they uh, bestow upon us both through their prayers and their thoughts father with their love with everything uh, that they have father we thank you so much be with those god today that need a touch from you for whatever those we've already mentioned, for whatever the reason or the purpose in God, uh, those that we fail to mention in our frailty of human uh, remembrance. God, be with all those in our group and, and elsewhere that need a, a touch from you. Be with our country. Father, continue to bless it and bless the leaders thereof that they would do that which is fitting. Thank you for all in Christ and especially for his precious blood. Of course, in Christ's name today, we humbly pray. Amen.